Greetings. Welcome to the Asna Kitchen podcast. So I'm coming to you on location in India, in Ashtanga Yoga School of Kovalam. And uh, just wanted to remind you that my new revised and expanded version of Maps and Musings is available on Amazon.com, and you can get the physical print copy or the Kindle edition. There's these two modes that I work with when I'm practicing, okay? And, and they both, to me, they're complementary opposites. That, they're they're complementary and they're opposites. And both of those qualities are there. And, and kind of, they're essential to each other. Like, without one, the other is not effective. To me, it's like having two ways to get at learning and growth and insight, knowledge, and purification. Okay, so that sometimes you purify simply by being here in the moment in total acceptance of what is. That, that in itself purifies, and it, it brings you knowledge of yourself. It's like this, this perfection. But then other times, purification comes from discernment and realizing no, I'm being driven into action by, kind of, by my ego or by a desire that is not worth pursuing. And so you're able to trace that, that faulty thinking, that faulty intention, that faulty movement or that faulty posture and correct it. Okay, so when I was 16, I was introduced to Surya Namaskara and... Yoga was a very mystical kind of um, spiritual experience for me. And I, and I also was really into the writings of Jack Kerouac and especially the Dharma bums. And um, he talked about meditation and he kind of lit my imagination on fire about like this meditation and, and what is it? And the real essence of it, it, it doesn't even require that you have a body. There's nothing physical about it actually because it's a the state of consciousness that you come to. So the dhyana, the seventh limb, meditation, it's just a perspective or a view on reality that you, you come to. You, and also it's, a, it's to come into the present moment entirely and realize the beauty and the miraculousness of life and the, the interconnectedness of everything. And, and so that and when you don't meditate, then you kind of get swept up into all these uh, sufferings of life, all the worries and anxieties, and you're, you, you get caught in your mind and your personality and all of this stuff, all this kind of gobbledygook in your mind. And, and, and meditation is simply to stop, kind of to stop your body, stop your mind, and then behold the... The beauty, the miracle of life, of your life. And so in that sense, then there's no real technique or, or any technique that does it is great. Okay? And, um, and so I've got this poem from Jack Kerouac that I want to read to you that like, really gets at the spirit of this, of what I'm talking about. And it's called How to Meditate. Okay? So he, sa so he goes, lights out. Fall, hands clasped into instantaneous ecstasy, like the sh 
like a shot of heroin or morphine. The gland inside of my brain discharging the good glad fluid, holy fluid, as I hap down and hold all my body parts down to a dead stop trance. And then healing all my sicknesses, erasing all, not even the shred of a I hope you or a loony balloon left in it, but the mind blank, serene, thoughtless. So when a thought comes a springing from afar with its held forth figure of image, you spoof it out, you spuff it off, you fake it, and it fades. And, and thought never comes. And with joy, you realize for the first time, thinking is just like not thinking. So I don't have to think anymore. Okay, and so it's so simple. It's such a beautiful idea. And, and, and it's amazing how we lose track of that ability to just be here and not think, not get all busy in our minds about our plans or our our fears, or our angers, our hopes, all these things. We just drop them. And then things make sense, our life. And so that's all practice is then. Okay, so you, you've got this whole system of Ashtanga, Surya Namaskara, standing, the sequence, and the breathing, the sound breathing, the bandhas. So focused and intense, and yet behind it all is there, it's a non-action, non-doing, non-thinking, simply arriving in the moment and as a purification. So partially, that's, it's, it's simply purifying. And in that way, then, the, the ability to arrive at a consciousness, is, it's a healing. Like he says in the poem, it heals all sicknesses. And so it's actually good for your health, good for your spirit. Just to, and, and then there's a playful sense to it. It's one of the kind of Hindu ideas that the universe is simply at play with itself. And, that, and, when, and we suffer when we lose the ability to be part of that play. And we heal and know joy when we play with it and in the present moment. Practice is kind of an asana dance, right? Where you're expressing and just engaging in the moment. And then also there's, there's a nothing to do aspect because thinking and not thinking, so, so not thinking is the same as thinking, so why think at all? Right? So, so there's nothing to do but sit still and be. So you're not trying to improve yourself. And, and so when you're trying to get better at drop backs or bind in Marie Chasana D, there's, there's a part in your mind that laughs at that, at the mind that gets caught up in any kind of pursuit like that. that, that and, know, and you know that's a dead end. That's like the mind just getting spun out in, it, in, in its fancies that 
It, it thinks the desiring mind, the ego mind, it, it like thinks the promise of fulfillment, the promise of happiness is over here when we've striven, when you strive for something and get it. But from this kind of dhyana perspective, no, it's not so. There's nothing to do. All you have to do is stop and it's there. Do nothing, sit still and take in reality. To me, you can get a huge amount of mileage out of this attitude towards practice. But there's another piece to the puzzle that complicates matters, <laughs> we'll say, okay? And it's what I'm calling uh, karma. And the word, um, the, the idea that there's cause and effect uh, in the universe. So every, so it says in the Bhagavad Gita that from birth to death, we, a person never stops acting. So we're constantly engaged in activity and in our acting is meaningful. Meaning that when we act, we put a cause and we, the result of that action comes. Okay, so the, and the result fits the cause of the action. Okay, and so that means that you can act skillfully or unskillfully. And acting unskillfully creates the need for further future action. And that's called samskara or impression. So when we repeat actions, especially unskillful actions, like when we chase a faulty desire again and again, it creates a groove that it necessitates further action, future action. And so there's like kind of momentum behind our actions. And it's in our postures. So how we hold ourselves, we, we, we create these repetitive patterns that become unconscious. How we move um, and how we react to something that happens, like our response. The, and when, what we get, what triggers our anger or our fear. And the habitual reaction when we react maladaptively or negatively towards something repetitively, well, this is a major source of suffering, okay? And it's also, it pulls us out of the present moment. If you react according to habit, then you're acting according to memory, to the past. So your ability to be spontaneous and to be right here and be involved in the play of the universe is hampered. And so to a certain degree, there's a, the kind of cathartic experience of like arriving in the present moment um, works. Like we get on the mat and we practice. To a certain degree, we get here. But then to, with the daily repetition, we keep coming back to practice, then these habits and these reaction patterns start setting in. And here we are practicing barely even here. Okay, because of these kind of unskillful actions that we keep repeating. So, then, this is where a whole new strain of, of what to think about during practice. It's not just enough to arrive in the present moment. No, that, that's where we get the, we work on these puzzles in the asana, like, and where there is a standard, like things like right and wrong and left or right, in, out, these different qualities matter, 
Okay, and so in, in one model, in the kind of what I'm saying, the being model, just bam, there's nothing to do, arrive in the present moment, it's, the means are not really significant. It's just wham, do it. But in this other model, the means are everything. So, so that just reaching your arms up, that becomes its whole study, a whole kind of exercise in consciousness and in uh, developing discernment of being able to see the quality of your action. So, so the whole idea of like arriving in the present moment, it has to do with getting real about your, your suffering, your ability to, to improve or to feel that you are learning and growing and able to change and able to see your shadow, to transform as a person. And in a certain way, it's, it's easy to, to say something, to think something, to wish for something, to desire something. But it's, very, it's another thing entirely to manifest that thing or to, to bring it down here into reality. We'll think that we say we want, we want to be peaceful or, and we don't want to lash out at anger towards people. But there we go. The moment then a person comes and talks to us in a certain way or even like looks at us a certain way, wham, we're angry. And it doesn't matter that we say, I don't want to be angry. <laughs> right? Because that samskaric pattern is so strong that there's momentum behind it. And so there's a certain work that we have to do to kind of trace back our patterns to their source. Okay, and this is where the postures come in and where the movements into the postures come in. And we make a deep study of those, and tracing them all the way back. So we're trying to come to this kind of neutral, the, as close to a neutral posture or a neutral uh, or middle perspective that isn't, we don't get pulled into reaction from desire or aversion. It's very tricky process. And we know it. If you practice for a long time, you, you can see how hard it is to change even one little thing about the way that you crouch and spring or um, improve your forward bend, right? I mean, when you first start practicing, there might be some big leaps and big changes that, whoa, progress happens, right? But eventually, Progress slows down. And, um, and so, and to me then, there's this real work that begins because, because of this idea of what actually makes, gives me the power to change, that gives me the power to like see who I want to be, see what I want to do, and then step towards that. Partly, there is this quality of kind of acceptance and of treating your practice as a coming into the present moment and like bypassing thought. So just seeing the, uh, I don't know, the, the, the ridiculousness or the futility of um, chasing desires and things like that. There's that purification aspect of do nothing and that anything you do will just make it worse. So you just <laughs> dig what is here. If you really observe, that will dead end. If that's your only resource for how to meet your suffering, 
or how to meet the, your habitual reactions to things that really do thwart you and disempower you from making powerful choices that, that lead to results that you want. Okay, and so that's when you have to get in there and start working with the smallest projects, like how you straighten your legs. And from the perspective of the technique doesn't matter, it doesn't matter how you straighten your legs. Like, you don't spend a lot of time on that. That's, it's like you're too busy getting catharsis and purification for that, like to get into the details of that, right? But then from the perspective, this other perspective, those very details about how you, exactly how you straighten your leg, how you get extension in a posture, how you ground your leg, and, and the qualities that you bring, and the, amount, the, the attention to the details and the nuance, all of those things, they add up to skill in action. Th those are how you actually transform patterns into choice and freedom of movement that leads you to this state of bliss that um, Jack Kerouac talks about. And it's so, they're so opposite. That's what I said, that they're, they're, they're complementary in that they need each other, but they are opposite. Get, get clear on that, that you go from caring about every tiniest action because, you, because the means to the end is, are everything to not caring the slightest bit about the, what you do because none of that matters at all. There's an interesting connection in that, in the word samskara. Okay, so very curious um, Sanskrit word. And so it has these definitions. Okay, so it, one is, is that it, it, at the very first um, definition of it, in the spoken Sanskrit um, dictionary, it's online. It says any purifactory ceremony. Okay, so immediately then samskara, it, it, it means purification or cleansing the body. That's very interesting because samskara is generally a negative word, right? It's talking about a groove, a repeated pattern. The opposite of purifying, right? It's, it's, um, it's a way of actually toxifying is to keep repeating the same thing over again. But the word itself is saying that it's a cleansing of the body. And, and it also means correctness or making sacred. And so the word sam is complete um, or perfect and kata is making. And so it's making sacred or making perfect um, and making ready or pre preparation and refining. So the word samskara, it's related to repeating. The other definition of it is this um, forming the mind, or well-formed, or impression. Okay, and that's where you get these grooves. When we keep repeating something, it becomes well-formed in our mind doing it that way, right? And that's a samskara. And, and it's like a, something human beings do, that they, we repeat things and we form patterns around them. And in a certain way, this, um, this definition is showing you that at root, the, the, that process of repeating things, it can be like the source of leading you to joy and leaving suffering behind. Because if you repeat well, 
See, that's the whole thing. That the, the whole definition that it's correctness or sacred making or perfect making. It, it means that you have to be careful how you repeat because you're going to do it. And so, and this is where skill and action comes in. It's like, you want to repeat that arm reach in this very nice way because you're going to make a groove around it. And you're looking for it to be, to actually purify, to cleanse your body, rather than take you off into negative habit and create um, future action and mess making and toxicity. Okay, so then you've got this kind of uh, negative repeating that is that you you come to the mat with each day, these habits and patterns and ways that we're stuck and that are thwarting us and causing us to suffer through those kleshas, through egoism and attachment and aversions and fears and things, right? But and we're trying to to samskara to actually make those sacred, to replace those kind of negative automisms with positive automisms. And we've got kind of two approaches to it. Okay, so, and one approach is with this scouring, with this uh, conjecture, analyzing, comparing, working to uh, um, go from point A to point B in a progression, okay, to improve our ability to to improve our posture, improve our movement, and, um, and, and get freedom from doing that. Okay, but then there's another way to do it. And th that way is to kind of see through it all and know that there's absolutely nothing to do. That there's no change necessary, there's no, that th any idea of improvement, of success or failure, all of those things are, they're just hindrances. They, they mess you up. They, they get your mind working and they throw you into the past or the future and make your response unskillful. Okay, and so, and look, we've got, these are very contradictory modes of operation. But, and, but they are completely dependent on each other. So if you get into this mode where you're trying to correct every action all the time, and you, you're using discernment to try to hone in and perfect your asana and perfect your movement, you'll drive yourself crazy. Judgment comes in, or you can never be good enough, or your ego gets involved in it. So partly you're working for this discernment, this ability to kind of Feel what is actually taking place in you and what kind of mentality you need to bring to, the, to the, what you're working on in the moment. And, and there's a certain distinct moment where your analyzation of what you're doing flips over into something like negative, where your, your mind, you know, they say it can be your worst enemy or your best ally. Okay, and that's really what you're talking about. It's like, what is my mind doing right now? Is it like helping me to make this a sacred thing, to perfect it, and to lead it from point A to point B? Or have we flipped over into kind of perfectionism, where I just, doesn't matter what I do, it'll never be good enough, and I'm judging. And, when, and so when I start that, then I go over to the Kerouac idea that 
I, I simply fall into the ecstasy of the moment and the glad, the good juice, the sacred fluid flows. It's thoughtlessness. It is serenity. It's dropping. So then you do that. You drop thought, and it doesn't matter what you do. And then all of a sudden, the quality of your posture is terrible. And you can feel that it, it's not leading you towards a, a kind of growth or a learning. And, and it's, in fact, it's taking you out of the present moment. You're just going on automatic. So then that's where you need to come back in and apply some pravriti, some higher action, a qualitative assessment of your action and a response to that. So yoga is about siddhi. It's about power. Okay? And you're trying to get control of you, yourself, your, what is happening inside you? What are your visions for your life? And then you want to have enough power to, to, to want to do something, to say you'll do something, to wish for something, and then manifest that. And of course the universe is part of manifesting, and it may not, it, things don't necessarily manifest exactly like we want, but there's a feeling that my life is moving in directions that I want and that I that I'm not stuck what quality do you need to bring to your practice at any given time to get that feeling of empowerment that's really what we're asking and and we're giving two really empowering stances of simply being no thought no mind no right wrong no striving no achievement no ambition to perfection, that you're an artist, that there's always something more to extract out of the most simple thing. And you're constantly discerning and honing in on that middle, honing in on an expression of beauty. And when you get those both arising in the same moment, like that you're, you're acting with, fully invested in your action, but at the same time, completely separate from it, like, like Kerouac says, that thinking and non-thinking are, they're the same, so why think at all? Then, you've got something. Okay, so that's what I have for you this week, and you, I'm encouraging you to do an, uh, homework. So really try to get in touch with these two kind of opposite ways of operating in your practice and make, see them as complementary opposites. Okay, so um, in closing, I want to point out to you that I have retreat this year, a special event in Santa Fe, New Mexico. So in a beautiful desert and amazing city of Santa Fe, you know, from August 11th to the 17th, and would love to have you join me there so you can find out about it on my website. So thank you for joining me for the Asana Kitchen podcast. Namaste.